look at the Dutch. This is where it's happening. I mean, I, I would have expected more from the Italians at this point. I would expect them to have made their move. But it's the Dutch that have bitten down and they're trying to take them on at this point. The Italians not quite managing to stay with it because the Dutch are moving forwards. They're just about to go through the Americans. The Dutch are the movers. I mean, look, they're mowing through the Australians. They've put away the Americans. They're almost drawing level with the Aussies. This is unbelievable. 150 the, the, the to go. Dutch can win it. That's enough water left to win it. And the Aussies have got to do something. Come on, Josh and Spencer. If you want that gold medal, you've got to do something now. They're answering. They're answering the call. Here they go. They're holding that canvas. They're holding that canvas. We'll this is going to come down to the, the line. It's absolutely bow ball for bow ball, but I think that the Dutch are just starting to nose ahead. There's only three more strokes to go, and the Dutch are going to do it. They're going to be the new world ranked champions in the men's four division, just stealing gold with an amazing burn. Stealing gold from the Australians who take silver. Valiant drive from the Australians all the way through, but it was the Dutch with that steaming burn through the last 500 that sealed their victory. Dutch going well too. Germans, I think they're struggling here. Well, the Netherlands have a strong history in the eights, just like the women's eight. They're very good at putting together combinations when it counts in the Olympic Games. Neck and neck between the Dutch and the Germans. And it's still Britain in the leading position here. But they're definitely running out of water here as we come down to the line. Great Britain, Olympic champions. Germany second and the Netherlands third. But they're more than half a length behind the Dutch crew. And the Dutch crew still have that little bit of pace, a little bit of rhythm. They take the blades out of the water, the boat just runs a little bit. It does. Mark Emper coached them. Fantastic coach, of course, very experienced. Won a medal in the floors back in 1990 for Holland. Time for the Netherlands to stand up and keep going. It's now only 300 metres to go. They're going to be looking out for those red boys. The Netherlands are going to hold on, Martin. They're going to win the men's eight. That is going to be fantastic. They led at 500. They led at 1,000. They led at 1,500. They're into the red boys. I think that's a race-winning margin. Will Britain get through America for the bronze? That's the race behind. I don't think the Germans will do it. Look at the cool Rob Lucan in the stroke seat. He's just got an impressive pace. I know he's hurting. Incredible from the Dutch. Look at this. No one's going to catch them. It's the Germans who are coming through for the silver. Pressed hard by the Americans. The British, I don't think, are going to do it. The Netherlands starting to look for the finish line, but they don't have to look much further. They're in front of us now, coming down in front of the grandstand. We're going in the Netherlands. Do know how to win an ace race, and they've done it right there. Welcome to The Row Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. In South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion winning to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. It's a role in South Africa. Passion. Great. Passion. Gold. Ultimate gold. Glory. Relentless training. Pain. Pain. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to another awesome episode of The Row Show. Uh, really sorry that we've been a bit quiet. Uh, These last few few months have been pretty hectic with the Olympics being in 2020 and our selection and, uh, and racing happening. But we're back. Olympics has moved on a year so we can worry about those problems later. And of course, as always, it's myself, Lawrence Britton and Mr. Green. 
What's up, guys? Yeah, it's it's really awesome to be back, and uh, I think it's a perfect time right now. The world's in a bit of a crisis, but uh, thankfully we've got your back, and we have already managed to record a couple episodes. I'm not going to give too much away, but yeah, we've got a couple episodes lined up that we're going to release, and I'm sure you guys are going to love it. And yeah, it's, it's good to be back. Lawrence and I have really enjoyed working on the Rose Show, recording our episodes, and we're really excited to to pick this thing up again yeah and it's uh, it's been a bit tricky because obviously me and jake are in quarantine on lockdown in south africa so we're not in the same place so we've had to adjust our uh, our episode strategy a little bit and uh, maybe you'll pick it up a bit we're trying to talk over each other every now and then it's uh it was a bit rough in the beginning but uh, i think we're getting the hang of it and uh the content we have today i think is is really good one of our best episodes so far hey mr jake yeah, I definitely think so, and I think it's it's a really good insight into into a team and uh, a boat that I think is is in is currently trending quite a lot. There's a lot of hype around them, so yeah, I think you you guys are really going to enjoy it, and it was awesome chatting to to our guest. Well, before we get started, uh, we also would uh, like to to just let you guys know that we we set up a, a PayPal account. And maybe just if you guys want to support us or help us out at all, you know, we've done the Rose Show for quite a while now and it's always been free and we'd like to keep it like that for, for most of the listeners. But if you feel like uh, you want to add any value to us, um, help us out and help us by growing the podcast, uh, you can follow the link. It's, it's on SoundCloud. Uh, just go through the Rose Show on SoundCloud and uh, it should be pretty straightforward. Like Lawrence, like Lawrence said, we have been doing the road show for a while, and uh, we're kind of getting to a crossroads where we really want to take take things further. But um, obviously, there's a you know there's a there's a part of it where we have to invest more money, and uh, we really want to grow the, the the quality of the podcast and improve things. And it would be awesome for you guys to support us. We can we really want to give you guys a better product. So yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, so hopefully we'll we'll see some of you guys there. Today we have a cracker episode. We got stroke legend Robert Lucan. Uh, he strokes the Dutch 8 and we had an awesome long chat with him where we really got into the nitty gritty of some of his incredible races and the 8 and the stroke seat and just covered this whole variety of um of topics on rowing and it it really got carried away sometimes and just having some awesome awesome content coming your way yeah i I really love the episode and of course you know we don't often we have had guests on the show that have rode in the eight and again robert lucan is is part of a a current and and really uh eight that's doing really well and it's awesome to chat about you know what it's like rowing in in an eight. Obviously, it's the biggest boat, it's the fastest boat. There's a there's a little bit more like team dynamics that go into the boat. So it's been awesome chatting to him about his journey so far on the Dutch team. And Dutch team has really been a, a team that has been progressing so well over the years. And it's awesome to get an insight into being behind the scenes. And you know, Robert's got some awesome results to go through. He's done well at the Olympics with the bronze medal. He became world champion in 2013. So it was really a cool episode. Yeah, so I think for those that don't uh, know him so well, uh, he came first in the fours in 2013. That was his first uh, World Champs uh, gold medal. And then he has a ton of World Cups and European medals. Uh, lots of cool racing there. He also has, as you say, the bronze medal from the eight at Rio and a silver medal in the eight last year at the Cracker World Champs in Linz. So uh, their eight has, has really gone from strength to strength over the years. And he really shares some of the secrets in uh, into what has made that eight so fast and so successful. So, yeah, without uh, further ado, please enjoy. All right. So... 
Welcome, ladies and gents, to another episode of The Rose Show. It's, it's been a while, but we're back on. And, and today we have Robert Lucan joining us from the Netherlands. How are you doing over there, Robert? I'm fine, thank you. Awesome. Um, and I'm sure a couple of listeners would be, would be interested to hear, you know, obviously at the moment we've been dealing a bit with the, with the corona pandemic and uh, a lot of us are locked down. So we would be interested to chat to you a bit about how's, how's your training, um, how's, how's the training set up at home for you and how you've been managing that? Um, yeah, well, obviously we have to deal with this uh, virus here and uh, our country is not in a complete lockdown as in South Africa, but we have uh, a lot of restrictions. So um, all sports facilities are closed. Uh, which means that we are not allowed to train with uh, with our team. Uh, we can go outside for a run or for a bike, but only uh, individually. And so we have uh, some equipment now at home. So I have this uh, rowing machine at home. I have my I can do biking outside, and I've built like this uh, little gym in the garden of a friend of mine. That's how we have to train uh, this couple of weeks. So, how long have you been uh, been training like that for? Uh, well, since half of March, I think. Then this was the first time that uh, our country decided to close things down. So I think it was, it was like March 13th or something. Okay. Uh, since then, we've been training like full time. Yeah, because we didn't know if the Olympics were uh, were going through or not, and. As soon as we heard that the Olympics were postponed, then uh, we decided to, uh, for the couple, for the next couple of weeks, to uh, lower the training volume. So now we only train like once a day. Okay, and I mean, uh, and uh, and you told us before that uh, that you've actually had uh, had Corona already, and uh, you and your wife were, have already had it. Yeah, we already had it. Uh, we were tested positive on this virus. Um, but we weren't that ill. Like my wife, is, she's a doctor, so she works in the hospital. And when she got some uh, flu-like symptoms, uh, they wanted her uh, to be tested. And then she tested positive. We didn't think she would because, yeah, she didn't have any fever or yeah, she had some, some uh, flu-like symptoms, but not too bad. And then it turned out to be positive. And, uh, so yeah, and for me, I didn't have any symptoms. Like I, I felt fine. Um, yeah, so for us it wasn't too bad, but for some people it is apparently. And uh, yeah, it's very strange because we had to sit at home, like uh, total isolation. We couldn't go outside for like two weeks. Uh, and then the, the na- our neighbors did our shopping, uh, our groceries. Uh, other neighbors uh, walked the dog for us. So it was. It was a bit strange for me to feel absolutely fine, and and I kept on training at home. But yeah, we just couldn't go outside. Okay, so yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think it has fine. been been like that a bit with a lot of people not uh, not getting very sick and uh, and getting over it quite quickly. I must say though, being at home because like uh, so as you, as you said, South Africa is in complete lockdown. We've done uh, just over fourteen days already of lockdown, and it's. Uh, it's been quite brutal. We're not allowed outside and we're not even allowed to, to walk the dogs outside. So, so they've been going crazy in the house. And yeah, then doing all the training inside. So no running outside, uh, just 
on the Watt bike on the Erg, and yeah, it's been uh, it's been really really tricky, and yeah. it's been quite an adjustment because we went from basically training flat out in the mountains of Lesotho, having this awesome training camp on the on the water there, and then going from there straight home to lockdown. Um, it was quite uh, quite extreme, I must say. The the effects that the corona's had on the world has been insane. It's been insane. Yeah, it's been big. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, nobody knows what this virus yeah is going to do exactly to the whole world. But I hope that it's going to be over soon and that the yeah then we then we can uh, go back to our normal lives and uh, go back in the yeah, with the team training for the Olympics next year. Yeah, and I mean, I think yeah, I think yeah, from the economy point of view, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be uh, it's going to take a long time, I think, uh, to recover from uh, from this. Um, but let's go back though. How was your training? How was your training before uh, all this drama? And like, how were you guys going in the eight? And uh, I know it was like just coming to the end of your your winter. So had you guys spent much time in the boat? And and how was how was the beginning of the season going for you? We had a really good winter, actually. We started off with a training camp in uh, in Spain on high altitude, with just biking and 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 ergo. That was quite tough, but it was it set up a base for us, uh, base endurance to uh, yeah to have a really good winter. And the winter in the Netherlands can be really cold, so we can have some ice here. Uh, but this winter was actually really nice. We didn't have any ice, so we could row whole winter through. And uh, we were actually, we went to Portugal on training camp for two weeks. Pretty nice there. But when we came back, <clears throat> already this, this, this fire started uh, in, in, in China. And yeah, like when we planned a camp in Italy, and it was very soon that it was postponed or cancelled the camp because yeah, the, the everything shut down there in, in northern Italy. It was the area where uh, the fires first started to uh, cause a big problem in Europe. So we were looking for another location and we found some other place in Portugal. But then, yeah, the situation escalated and we couldn't go anywhere anymore. So we, we stayed here in the Netherlands. And yeah, not, not too long after that, uh, we couldn't train here also. So yeah, we, we had a really good camp with a lot of mileage, a lot of uh, rowing in the, in the eight. So we were happy about that. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, it's been actually like, like you said, and how, how we've been discussing before. It's been a huge adjustment for all of us, and I'm sure there will be rows listening to this and rows around the world. This is a huge adjustment for everyone, um, and it's it's also it's a tricky period because a big thing, the big thing is that now that the Olympics has been shifted another year, more than a year in, in, into uh, into 2021. Like obviously, that's that there's a lot of question marks in the air, but um, in terms of like how, you know, have you guys been given any uh, details about what the you know what the, this this rest of the year is going to look like, and you know what are there any plans that have been put in place for how the team's going to operate once this is blown over? Everything is still there. Are still a lot of insecurities right now. So there is this plan in the in in, in the European rowing to have this. Um, uh, international regatta at the in the fall, like in the end of September, beginning of October, um, something like a European Championship. So we hope that that 
goes through and we can uh, participate in that. But it's very insecure. We don't know anything yet. All the governments in Europe, they have different strategies. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, we don't know how it will go. So it's, we, we cannot make a plan. That's, that's one of the problems right now that you yeah. normally you have all these uh, moments in a year where you, ha- where you want to compete. And yeah, you make your year program, your year plan based around those events. Uh, but now there are no events. So it's very difficult to make a, make a good uh, planning of yeah. training. I think it's so crazy uh, how we're so used to having, like, as you say, the whole year is always planned out and every week is, is, is planned in advance and you know exactly how the year looks and, and what exactly we need to do. And then like now suddenly we just have like this huge question mark about an indefinite amount of time with no plans and no structure and no racing and now it's like and we're just trying to to adjust to like another year of training before before the olympics i think it's especially for sportsmen i think it's a very unusual place uh, to be in yeah it's, it's 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 very unusual but uh the way i look at it it also uh, brings an opportunity an opportunity to cope better with this situation than the than your opponents yeah, you know, see, if 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 you if you cope with this better, then uh, yeah, you come out better. It can also be a positive thing uh, if you if you understand what I'm saying. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think that's got to be. I think the the when the racing opens up again, you definitely got to see how you know the, the results are going to reflect how well uh, athletes and teams have dealt have dealt with the virus, and I think. Especially like you said, now that we're training at home, this is a really big opportunity for for people to, you know, you know, maybe if you you missed out on selection or, you know, you didn't make the team, this period is like a really good stage where you can maybe put your hand up and and get an extra couple months that you didn't have before to, you know, make a make a statement or try get into the boat or you know try to qualify. So it's definitely going to be interesting when racing opens up again to see how all the teams are looking. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a chance to show uh, that you are motivated. <laughs> Keep training, and also uh, it's a, it, it's a chance for like the team managers, how you call it, the coaches, the head coaches, you know, to make a good program uh, to keep us fit. And yeah, whenever we are allowed to go back on the water, we'll do that. And yeah, it's it's, it's just now a matter of. Uh, Making sure that you're uh, being that you're fit as soon as the, it all begins again, it all starts again. Yeah, yeah, because as you say, we don't know when that's going to be, and it's uh, and it's going to be. I think of people that do just decent amount of work here and keep their heads in the right place and have the the ability to come back online when uh, things start to come. Because also, they don't think things are not going to come back online as quickly as they as people as as we think maybe i think it's going to take a long time to to get back to to some form of uh of norm, normal life so i think as that ha- starts to happen then uh it's going to be there's going to be a lot of gains there to to find as uh for the boat speed and 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 for the physical aspects of of rowing so i think it's going to be definitely going to make uh next year's racing and the olympics uh look very very exciting Maybe there will be some surprises. You never know. Like maybe some countries do really well with this situation, and they beat like uh, they can beat favorites, or uh, you know the 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 biggest problem uh, is I think 
cruise that are like favorites to win gold. Like the cruise yeah. that perform, really performed very well at the, at the World Championships. Like if you win the the World Championships uh, just before the games, then you want the games to begin as soon as possible. Uh, if you understand what I'm saying, yeah. because you just at that no, moment you are you are you are better than all the others. <laughs> so yeah, the longer you wait for the Olympics, the bigger the chance that other crews uh, catch up on you. In the sport of rowing, results can change so much from year to year. Um, it, in every event, it's it's seldom that you get a situation where you know one crew you know manages to dominate as the years go by but uh, yeah i mean like one year can make a huge difference to the the placing around the world exactly. i mean you could so, be you could be on the money for a gold medal and then next year you you missing a little bit of form but that little bit of form means coming fifth instead of first exactly yeah and 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 now it's not a matter of one year it's a matter of, of two years so uh yeah the the, the the difference in result can be much bigger now. Yeah. Which is and, uh, also exciting. It's just like more exciting, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maybe it'll be good for countries like South Africa and uh, the Netherlands. Yeah, especially for yeah. South Africa, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, needed, no, we have a very young team, definitely. so a little bit more time is, uh, is good for us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in my crew as well, like we have three guys that are like uh, uh, early 20s. Uh, yeah, they, they're going to be better next year than they're going to be this year. So uh, we feel pretty confident about uh, our situation. Yeah, we'll just see what happens. Yeah, the, the only thing for me is yeah. like uh, one of the things like one of the reasons I love rowing is racing. I like just I love going out there and, and, and crushing uh, these hard races and, and putting putting the body on the limit. And now we, we don't have any racing for for a long time. So I'm really hoping that we, we're going to get a chance to, to do some cool racing towards the end of the year. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think the, the training is, is, is going well. And I think we, we can make a, a good use of, of this extra time that we have. Yeah, without a doubt. We we chatted quite a lot about Corona. I think everyone is chatting about Corona, and uh, you know the row show is not. Uh, we're not about uh, current news. We want to talk about uh, athletes and talk about their their rowing and their racing. So I think that's enough uh, nice. pandemic talk. And let's go. Let's go on and, and let's talk about um, your your start in in rowing because it looks quite interesting. At least when you look on on world rowing, you you came from. Uh, you just went straight into the eight, the senior eight, and it looks like you you rode in the eights and the fours like uh, right from the beginning. So your your first appearance in world rowing was in two thousand and nine, um, and yeah, straight into the eight. No, it didn't look like any under twenty three racing, and uh, it looked uh, like just straight on there and and straight into some some pretty good results as well. Uh, yeah, so I started rowing quite late. I started rowing when I uh, went to college. So uh, I started rowing when I was 18 years old. So yeah, as, as a, in, in the Netherlands, rowing is really like a university sport. So people go to university and all these rowing clubs in the Netherlands, they are, besides that they are rowing clubs, they're also like this, uh, like social places, or I call this like fraternities or sororities. Okay. Um, and so when I went to university in Amsterdam, yeah, I just went to this rowing club. I, I didn't know anything about rowing. Like, I never knew it existed almost. So, 
but this it was this nice vibe at this club. You know, it was like a, a party with a barbecue, and uh, everybody was outside having fun, drinking some beers. And I thought, hey, this is nice. Um, and then I thought, yeah, why not? Why not? You know, join this club. And it has some rowing on the side as well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then. Uh, <laughs> But then it started a little different, and uh, yeah, apparently I had some talent, and from not knowing anything about rowing, a couple of months later I was training every day. And back then I was, in my first year I was a lightweight rower. Uh, oh, because that's I, interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I was just not very, I was not this sporty guy, you know, I didn't do a lot of sports when I was young, uh, besides some uh, football. Yeah, and I was just really skinny. so. Yeah, I didn't. My, my body didn't uh, wasn't mature, so to speak. And yeah. yeah, I started rowing, and yeah, in my first year already, it was like almost impossible for me to make uh, the weight. So <laughs> after one season, uh, our coach said to me, "Yeah, you, you have to uh, you have to row with the heavy weights because uh, yeah, this lightweight stuff is not for you." So just for the and, listeners, uh, you. We, we're laughing because you're not a small guy at all. Um, how tall are you now? I'm like uh, close to two meters, like one one meter and 98 centimeters. Yeah, so for someone that tall to to be trying to weigh in is is quite funny. You got, you must have you must have looked yeah, a little bit funny. sick. I think uh, you must have looked a bit sick racing as a as a lightweight uh, back then. Yeah. Yeah, it was very hard because in the beginning I was just really skinny. I didn't have any muscle, so yeah, it was I was just 70 kilos, so I could just weigh in. But, but during the season, I just started gaining weight because I, for the first time in my life, I trained a bit, you know, did some sports. <laughs> so while <laughs> while I was a lightweight, yeah, I, I still I gained some weight. You know, I didn't eat that much, but still I gained some weight. And then in the end of the season, it was so hard for me to make the weight, so I got. Yeah, I did all these drastic uh, approaches to lose weight, <laughs> and then like in the 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 the, the heats, like after the heat, I was just totally done. You know, I, I because you have to do the heat, and then it's the final in the Netherlands. So you weigh in for the heat, and then you don't have to weigh in again for the final. So after the heats, I was yeah, I was completely out of energy. I was always yeah, you know, really. It, it was terrible. It was <laughs> it was so hard. So after after each heat, I was like vomiting and I was like, oh, I was totally sick. But then during the day, I ate some stuff and then I felt fine already for the finals. And then the, fi the finals were always much easier for me. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit yeah, sure. <laughs> it, because I had some, you know, some 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 food in my body and some water. No, it's it's just fascinating to 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 hear that you started your your career off as a lightweight but i took it you only like you said you only stayed a lightweight for a year and then what was it like jumping in with the heavyweights and you know how quickly did you did you catch up because i mean we can see that you were racing you know 2009 your first world cup but what, what what did the journey look like it must be a huge learning curve when you got involved in the, in the in the national team and started getting boats with you know some of the lead guys and I think the you know the Netherlands has, has got a culture of rowing in the eight, so it must have been an amazing feeling getting involved in this 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 almost this tradition of rowing in eights. You know, everyone you know there's there are people that there's a there's a legacy there, so it must be an incredible experience. Um, yeah, it was. And what was most special is that um, like so I went uh, as a lighter to the heavyweights, like but that's all like uh, student rowing uh, level. 
but my coach back then was uh, Diederik Simon. And Diederik Simon was one of the guys who won a gold medal at the Olympics in the, uh, in the eight. So he was one of the like the, 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 the guys who make this Dutch tradition in the eight. Like he started this, this, this tradition. Uh, yeah. So we all looked really up to him. And a couple of years later, I was racing with him in Poznan. So yeah, that was really cool that I was able to to uh, to race with my coach. And uh, because he he quit rowing for two years or something, he started coaching, and then he 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 uh, went back into uh, training and racing. So yeah, it so was really fun for me to be coached by him, and then in the end race with him at the World Championships. Yeah, I don't think they they know a lot of people that that get to experience that. Yeah, that is actually really no, because, really cool. Yeah, because he's uh, he, he's he's a true legend in Dutch rowing, you know. So he did, I think he did five Olympics. Um, yeah, so that was that was pretty nice because we all looked up to him when he was coaching us, and then to be able to to uh, do it uh, with him together is yeah, it was amazing. And yeah, I I never did any under twenty trees because I just started so late with rowing. So by the time I was like twenty three years old. And I couldn't do the under 23s anymore. I was in the national selection for the senior level, uh, for the senior team. Okay. And uh, yeah, in my first year, I was it was quite a surprise that I made the eight because that's like the the, the number one boat in the Netherlands. So um, yeah, it was a surprise. But I did some seat racing, and I I don't know. I just I just I just beat the other older guys, and uh, I, yeah, I got selected. Yeah. Nice. And um, and then so so what is the what are the those first few years in the team like for you like uh, you know coming coming in going straight into the eight making it into the eight and then those next few years were were pretty good you guys had uh, had a podium here and there and, and some really good results on the eight so um, what is it like being in the in the team and and uh, so quickly and 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 doing so well so early. Yeah, it was. If I look at it right now, if I look back at it, it was it was quite strange because at that time I was still like in my mind I was still like the student rower. Like I, I the way I how I approach my sport now is much different than back then. Uh, yeah, I was just a kid and I don't know. I just did rowing and I, I thought it was fun. But all the little aspects that are really important, you know, to be like a, a world class athlete. Uh, I didn't pay much attention to them, like you know, like the eating healthy, uh, sleeping uh, long hours, you know. Uh, so all this side stuff, I was just still a student, you know. I still went on partying sometimes and, uh, and 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 eat bad food and stuff like that. So if I look at it now, then I think, oh man, I didn't know anything <laughs> about <laughs> rowing at, at that time. And we also had this strange team because we had some some people that I uh, really like. We had like this in, in, back then. There were like two groups. We had one group of me with 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 some guys that we are like, yeah, call each other friends or like we were like, uh, yeah, a little bit easygoing group. And other, then there was this other group within the team, and they were more strict. And yeah, they were like annoying guys. You know, we didn't like them too much. <laughs> uh, they were they were very strict, but not very talented. So, you know what I mean? They were pretty good because they they were training very hard and doing everything like perfect. But they were not that talented, so they never were really exceptionally good. So, 
that gave some friction uh, between us. So that those years were for the national team weren't that great actually, and we had this Italian coach and this this uh, Australian coach. They worked together and this, this mix of two camps within one team and these coaches from abroad they didn't know the, our language very well. You know, it it, it just uh, it was very difficult to make like a, a really close, a good working team out of that group. And you see in the results, it is sometimes we were pretty good, won a medal. Sometimes we were like not that great. In the end, uh, for me, it was like uh, for the Olympics of London, I had to miss out because I had a, a severe back injury. And uh, that year I couldn't uh, do any races with the team to, for the selection. So yes. I, I missed out of London also. So so that was one of our big questions because we saw that you you didn't race. Uh, you raced once in in 2012, and and yeah, you weren't. Uh, you didn't race at the pain. the Olympics. Um, so Togo, so when did you? What kind of back injury did you have? And 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 when did you? When did you have that? Yeah. So in the fall of 2011, uh, I had this uh, herniated disc. Yeah, I just just kept me out of training for a while but I was so eager to do the Olympics that I just uh, went back to training but it was uh, a bit too soon you know so uh, I started to come back to training and then I hurt my back again and I, uh, I was fuck 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 I have to oh sorry I cannot no no you can see don't worry you can all good okay 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 <laughs> so I thought damn man I, I, I want to bet I want to start training again so and then again I started too soon, and then again I had this. Um, the, the problem went bigger and bigger and bigger, and yeah, I just didn't have the peace of mind to take some time off, you know, let it let my back heal, do some alternative training, and then come back in, into it. I just didn't have that peace of mind, and I, I came back every time I came back too early. Uh, that that happened a couple of times during uh, the 2012 year, and all the way in the end, just before the Olympics, I was fit enough to compete uh, but I was just not good enough to make the team anyhow you know yes. so uh, I, I didn't have like this prominent position in the team to to be in the eight despite all these injuries that I had yeah so after after missing out on London I just thought to myself okay if I want to continue then I have to approach this a lot better and just make sure that I'm that good that that the team can't uh, go without me you know that they need me I have to make sure they really need me and uh, yeah I did some alternative training I, I started training uh, with this weightlifting coach like Olympic weightlifting and uh, yeah doing that it made my back a lot stronger and I, I, I got a lot uh, more athletic from doing that and uh, the next year yeah I just I just I had I had no problems with my back. I did the selection and we we made a four, uh, and uh, we became world champions. So, yeah. But it was also like this 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 moment that I realized okay, like world class sports is not only about training hard. It's about approaching uh, from every angle in, to make uh, the best you can be. You know, and for me it meant that I had to do a lot of weightlifting, uh, and and so I did that. Yeah, that's there's some yeah, really uh, cool moments or cool topics that you you're touching on there. I think the the big one for me is like 
the 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 weightlifting is i know a lot of countries don't uh do that much uh heavy gym and and we found also moving to to an olympic uh, uh weightlifting coach and doing like uh more working on the strength and not trying to trying to emulate rowing in the in the gym when we're trying to we're going into the gym to build strength and we've also found that the the injuries to the back especially have have gone down quite a lot in the in the team um so that's uh, very interesting to to hear your take on that and yeah and then just it's so cool to hear how just turning that really horrible 2012 year into into such a positive uh, 2013 year because you really did come back online and i think by world champs you you were you were indispensable for the team and uh for for that uh, career world champs in 2013 yeah, it was it was an amazing moment uh, because yeah, you feel yeah when you miss out on a, on something that you really want to participate at, uh, yeah, you, you you're going to think twice. You know, is it all worth it? Uh, because yeah, you have to give a lot of if you are if you want to be a, like a professional athlete. Uh, and yeah, I thought to myself, you know what? I, I just have to to approach this sport uh, in the best way for myself. You know, like when you are in a team, you get this program, and the program is for everyone. Everybody does the same program, uh, but not everybody is the same. <coughs> so that means that everybody is getting a program that is good, but not perfect for them. And I started thinking, and I thought, yeah, I have, I have to make a program that's perfect for me, and I have to find this a little bit. I have to find out what's perfect for me. So, with that mindset, I went on this journey after 2012, and it just it benefited me a lot. Uh, and, and it was mainly just a mindset, you know. Just I, I wrote for myself. I want to be the best. I have to do the things that make me the best. And and despite what everybody else says, um, yeah, approach this on an individual matter. To uh, to be in the season like the best uh, uh, teammate, you know, for the for the team. Yeah, I think uh, that's actually you know that's 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 really interesting topic because, I mean, rowing is is quite a unique sport that you know there are not a lot of team endurance sports in the world, and then on top of that, there are not a lot of team endurance sports that you know everyone. There's this culture of like uh, such important um, emphasis on the team, so we all do the same program. But I mean, like you said, there now every athlete is different, and it's, it's really it's really interesting to hear you talk about that because it's all about you know how how do you um, find you know how can you make yourself the best athlete possible, and and a lot of the time it is the mindset that you take into training. And then, you know, obviously, you know, if you want to do well, you have to make sure that you're the best athlete you can be. And that also means on, on that, that means for the rest of the team, if everyone's trying to be as good as they can, they, the only one thing can come from that is, is fast rowing. Even though it might seem like a selfish approach, at, in, at the end of the day, it, it means that the boats will get faster. Yes, yes, but it's difficult for people because a lot of athletes, they are used to follow orders. If you know what I mean, like the coach comes with a yeah. program, and you just follow that up. Um, so it's quite difficult to say to the coach, "Hey, man, listen up. Uh, you have this program, which is great, but <laughs> I have a different approach." And yeah. this can give, can give tension between in the relation between you and the coach, you and the team. 
So people avoid that kind of stuff and they just keep on going with their uh, routine. You know, they, they, they just they don't like to have this conflict with the coach and the team. So they, they choose to follow the orders. And that's, yeah. that's, I understand that. I understand that. But if you can convince your coach that the plan that you have for yourself is going to benefit uh, the whole team, like if you can have this conversation with that coach, then yeah, it might be possible to do some things different and to get some better results for yourself and for the team then. So, so Robert, on on the training on the training side of things, what are the you know what are the kind of sessions or the you know the routines and habits that you find that help help you become you know a better athlete that might differ from what your stereotype might be for for others? Like, what are the the different modalities that you like to you know the things that you like enjoy like to enjoy about training that might be a bit different? Um, yeah. So so. Um, after 2012, I just told the coach that I'm going to do uh, weightlifting for uh, some couple of months and do not do any rowing. Uh, so I, I quit rowing for, I don't know, uh, nine months or something like that. Maybe a little less, eight months, a little bit more than half a year. And, and I just only did weightlifting, only weightlifting. I didn't do anything else. Uh, and yeah, that... That was like a guess. Uh, I yeah. took a risk there, but it, it, it turned out very well. Um, yeah, and now because like you cannot do all the training by yourself, you have to do training with the team, so that's fine. So it's just a balance between training with your team and doing stuff for yourself. So what 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 we used to do, what we like to do is every morning session is with the team, no matter what. And in the evening session, or the second session of the day, or the third session of the day, uh, those are quite often sessions in the in the pair so we row in the morning we row in the eight uh we do the program and then in the evening we do uh pair rowing and in the pair it's only two guys so you can mix the pair up with let's say uh, i need to do some more endurance work for example yeah then i can choose some guy from the eight in the pair row with him who also has to do some more endurance some other guys have to work more on technique and then they can pair up and hey, work on technique with the coach. You know, in, in that way, you can create some moments in the week where you can do some uh, specific training. So that's how we like to do it. Like you said before, it's a really difficult thing to get right, especially in a, in a team sport like rowing. Um, but I mean, like you said, everyone's an individual. So it's also good to find that balance between, you know, what works for you and also making sure that you play to your strengths. And also, most importantly, also is, is work on the things that you aren't particularly good at. Um, and then I'm also interested to hear, after that long period of weightlifting, what was it like getting back in, in, in the rowing boat and, and back on the ergo? Yeah, to be, to be honest, it, was, it, it felt really natural. Uh, but the only thing was I, w I just moved better. I, I was more uh, flexible. Uh, I had a better control of my body and I just moved better and I was just almost it felt like i was almost instantly a better rower because i didn't row for a couple of these months i went back in the boat and i felt like i was the first from the first stroke i was just a better rower than than the uh the year before <laughs> that's really cool. so it's really crazy yeah it felt really natural and everybody was like i felt that other people were also impressed you know and um yeah and you i mean so, you because even in in 2013 you even look like you pick you must have picked up quite a bit of muscle uh, and strength from uh, all the gym because you look much bigger in uh, in 2013 than you did uh, than you did before in the racing videos 
and yeah, just talk us through that 2013. I mean, you guys had had a big sprint uh, throughout the season. It was it was one of the strengths of your boat, um, but you'd only managed to get to fourth place uh, with it in in Lucerne, and then coming into to the World Champs, you you still were were really far down in the through the halfway mark of of that race. And and I mean, at what point did you think that you were going to win that race, or or did you plan? Uh, or did you think you could uh, could win it from uh, from the beginning, from the start line? Um, yeah, we had, we just had this plan because there were in that year there were like four teams that were quite good. It was uh, USA, Australia, Italy, and us. Yeah. And um, during during that tournament in uh, Korea, in the semifinals there were four boats. These, these four teams they were all within half a second in the in the in the finish time. Yes. So we knew already. Okay, these these four teams are really close to each other, man. They and, and like either one can win. You know, every every one of those four teams could win the world championship. So we were quite confident that we could win it. Uh, and then we had on the racing day, it was this really strong headwind. So and it was also quite warm. I don't know if you were racing in Korea. Yeah. But it was really hot there. Yeah. Really <laughs> I hot. raced. Uh, I raced in so, the pay there, and it was. <laughs> There, it was really hot. Sarasota levels of heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was. It was the conditions were were quite tough for the body. So we had this plan to, like, uh, try to keep up the first thousand with the, with the rest, and then the second thousand, we're just gonna, like. The second thousand was for us like the the the, the moment in the race where we wanted to show that we could win. So we were really investing in the second thousand. So every. So as soon as we we finished, we passed the the thousand meter line. We just knew, okay, now is our time. So we just pushed, uh, opened the the gas, and uh, yeah, it turned out a, a, a very good strategy because the race took so long. Uh, the finish time was I think six minutes and twenty seconds or something. So it was like a very slow race, and with the heat, like all the other crews just burned out. And yeah, we managed to 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 pass them all. Yeah, because I mean, uh, Australia, who are coming up with you guys, uh, are leading the race most of the way. They uh, they see you guys starting to sprint, and they and as you come maybe like half a canvas down, they step and they they really try and hold you guys. But you could just see there's just not enough juice uh, in their legs to to hold off your your move at the at the end of the race. So they like they hold it for you know three or four strokes, and then they they fall apart, and and you guys really even take a, a whole canvas by the end of the race nearly um oh, it was just uh, that's actually a really really cool uh race to to watch i must say yeah it, it looked like we were very sneaky you know like in the back of the field just <laughs> moving up slowly 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 and in the end oh fuck they won yeah, <laughs> yeah no, but it, <laughs> the, the but camera it work on that race wasn't great i'm not gonna lie because it did look, look exactly how you explained like it was like okay Netherlands are going well, well, well. Pans somewhere else, pans back, Netherlands win. And you're like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was really sneaky, a sneaky win. Um, but it was all strategy. It was just, we had this plan and we just stick to it. And uh, it was a good plan. I think the commentators uh, uh, yeah. made it worse as well, though, because they, they speak about you guys at the beginning of the race. And then they like completely forget about you and they're only talking about the Australians uh, and the Italians and oh they're so good it's so good so good and then they're just like oh shit <laughs> you guys are back and you're gonna <laughs> win and then they're like oh you're really gonna win 
Oh, it's uh, really funny. Actually, I enjoyed watching that today. It was, <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah, it, that, that, that's how it goes. You know, these, these commentators, they also have these, these favorites. I mean, the, they are either from Britain or they're from Australia. So this, there was this girl from Australia and she's just really, really uh, like, yeah, putting a lot of emphasis on the, 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 the quality of rowing from the Australians. <laughs> and yeah, she was just, she was getting so excited at this Australian stroke, stroke man. Yeah. So and my, she just forgot everything else. My yeah. favorite part about her, her commentary is because she's talking about how the Australians are rowing so well uh, and they're not that strong. And then she talks about uh, Josh yeah. Dunkley Smith, who is uh, going to break sure. the world record on the Ugo in like uh, a few yeah. years from now. Uh, so it was, uh, I was like, what? A, she doesn't even know what, what she's talking about. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's a really good win uh, to take there. You And, and your first uh, win and your first uh, gold on the, on the top step of a podium for world champs. And uh, yeah, how did, that, how did that feel, especially after the, the year that you'd had? Yeah, after the year that I had, it was of course, yeah, a great, 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 great feeling, great moment for us. But still, that's that's what I tell like everyone about winning uh, a big event. Um, when you win it, well, like when you never won anything, and before you think, yeah, if it's if if I can only win a world championship, it would be such a great feeling, you know, it would be so amazing, and you think that's gonna be like euphoric and 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 well when it actually happens you're happy but it's not that crazy as you thought it was gonna be you know what i'm saying yeah so yeah yeah the the excitement and the euphoric feeling it's there for a bit but not as much as you expect and so yeah it was it was it was actually a very big moment for me to realize that like you know the the fun of rowing is not in the winning itself. It's it's just in the process of becoming a very good athlete. You know, becoming a very good team, becoming faster and faster and faster and faster. And the result of all that is that you can win a race. But the winning in itself, although it's of course everybody wants to win and we are in it to win it, but still the winning itself is is not the the best part about rowing. Yeah. And I realized that from that moment, and uh, I think that goes. It's, it's it's also for everything in life you know the like you want you want to achieve some goals but a lot of the time achieving the goal is not the the the, the place where this satisfaction is happening it's more in the process of becoming better and better at something you know yeah uh, it, 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 yeah it That's... changed the way i look at life in general <laughs> yeah these yeah. these these big events uh seem to have um seem to have those kinds of effects. I'm not talking from experience because I haven't won a, a world championships yet. So when that does happen, I'll I'll share my my wisdom as, as you have done. So. <laughs> no, but you you have you have your victories also. I mean, and and yeah. uh, but also in normal life you have victories. Like it, it yeah. can be small things, it's the things that you were working on. You know, uh, finishing your your studies or uh, I don't know starting a business and having goals in that or you can do anything as long as yeah. you have goals and try to achieve them no, Yo, that's quite a nice uh, um, bit of wisdom there from Robert so that's the start of the, the 2016 Olympics uh, Olympic cycle the, the the first place of 2013 and then your next year 
is still pretty good in the in the four. You you finish second at, at two of the World Cups and maybe maybe disappointing for you, but still a very good fourth place in uh, at the World Champs at the end of the year. And then you moved from there into the eight for the 2015 and 2016 um, seasons. Uh, tell us about the the switch into the eight and 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 why you and why that that happened. Um, yeah, well, so after London, uh, we got this uh, head coach. He's still our head coach today. His name is Mark Emke, and he is uh, he was really fond of making a four because he looked at our group and he saw these four guys who could you know row well together and he thought you know what let's make a four let's prioritize this boat um we did that for two years we had a lot of success we never finished out of the top four and we also won some medals so it was good but um you know yeah we also had this feeling man i don't know we uh we just wanted to try out the eight again because we thought there were some young guys coming up we thought man maybe we can uh, have some more chance in the eight for the olympic gold and you know the eight is also so exciting you know it's it's the best it's the biggest boat the fastest boat uh it's a boat that's usually won by like the the, the bigger rowing nations um so it's very exciting to compete in that in that class for us and then yeah so the coach asked us, uh, "Yeah, what, what's your plan?" So we talked with him, and he said, "Yeah, we, we said actually, yeah, coach, we actually want to make an eight, and it was a surprise for him." Uh, yeah, but he thought, "Hey, well, if that's what the, my athletes want, then why not?" And then we did some selection, and uh, yeah, 2015 we started it. Uh, we had a bronze medal at the World Championships, which felt good for us because it was like the first year that we were state so we felt pretty good about it and then the next year we won two world cups also one in lucerne which we we rode really well it, it was like yeah we had this amazing row and uh after winning lucerne we really thought we could win a gold medal in rio but yeah it, it didn't work out that way uh, we lost a little bit of our form and other crews got some got better and yeah we 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 still got an Olympic medal, which I'm really proud of. But um, yeah, I think that in the 2016 Olympics, we didn't reach uh, our full potential, so to say. But I mean, I mean, for you having uh, having missed out on on the 2012 Olympics, it must have been like you were you were talking about earlier how you know the your your career is like a journey, and you know winning world champs since 2013 was part of that journey, and very much so going to the 2016 olympics must have been another big step in in your journey and must have been quite a uh, quite a cool feeling going to rio and being part of the of the experience um after unfortunately missing out last time uh with an injury and then also picking up an olympic medal because i mean we all know that olympic medal is completely different to any other medal you'll win in in ball drawing um so it must have been an incredible experience Yes, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, if it's very different from a world championships. Like, of course, there's a lot of more more tension. Uh, everything is a, the, the experience is a lot bigger. So, yeah, for me going to the Olympics, I was so excited because it was my first Olympics, and I was really, you know, uh, yeah, excited to be there. And I really loved Rio. It was 
yeah, this city is so beautiful, an amazing place, and that was all great. For the rowing itself, to me, it just felt like a normal rowing race, actually. It didn't feel too special, besides that uh, the water was shitty. <laughs> uh, and the course, yeah, the course, it was just a lake, you know, it, was, it wasn't uh, a place that's very good for rowing, I think. So that was different, but the race itself, it, it felt just like a normal rowing race. And looking at that, we just, I don't know if you guys saw the race, but like we were in the second place a long time. And uh, yeah, in, in, the, in the final meters, we lost second place. So the gold was going to Great Britain. They were like better than the rest. They, they were like the, the we couldn't beat them, but we could have beaten the Germans. So after the finish line, we were just third, just behind the silver medal, and I was just actually pissed that we didn't got the silver. So on all these photos and on the podium, I was like, I looked really, uh, how do you say, agitated, you know. <laughs> And my, yeah. my my wife is very upset about it because all these pictures that we have from Rio I look like uh, like somebody just died you know <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah so, so next time I'll be smiling a bit more so I watched uh, the race obviously again uh, again now and yeah I, I mean even now you can watch it and you can you still think oh maybe the the dutch uh, can can take second there it is really that close at the end and yeah I'm sure it's um it's disappointing for you, but I mean, it's still what a cool race. And, and I think I really like the way you talk about how the race is still just a normal race. And I think that was a big part of, of yeah. our uh, Rio experience as well. It's like, yes, the Olympics is big and there's this huge circus uh, going on that is the Olympics. But if you separate the circus from the rowing, it's still just another 2000 meter racing uh, race course. And you're still going to have to go against six crews and they're the same six crews you've raced the rest of the year so it's um it definitely changed it um uh, quite a bit from like making it into a, a a huge thing or something that's going to be very difficult or big to just another day at the office basically and i think managing that stress and that situation is um is so important for to 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 have a good race at the games yes i totally agree uh in the end of the day, it's just exactly the same as what you've always done. So trust on that. Trust on what you've worked on. Trust on what you you normally do, and don't make it any bigger than it is. Although it is bigger, you feel that. But you know, uh, yeah, it's just it's just some stretch of water and a couple of boats. Yeah, and then yeah. like I know you spoke like a bit about the the water and how the water was um, was really tricky. And how did you guys uh, deal with the water? And and do you think you coped your crew and uh, and your teammates coped quite well with uh, with the conditions? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, we didn't cope that well. Like we had this problem in the boat that sometimes when we didn't row that well, the the balance was. A little bit, uh, it was not that great. No, we, we went a little bit to uh, to bow side, to starboard. Like uh, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So in the in the balance, the boat was tilting a little bit to to starboard, and the wind came also from the stroke side. You know how do you yeah. uh, in, in English? Yeah. Stroke side is that good? Yeah. 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 So the, okay. So the wind came like this. The direction of the wind was the least favorable for us because it tilted the boat even more. To bow side, and um, 
yeah, that, 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 especially in the end when you get tired and we were in the sprint, which was normally our weapon, it didn't felt that great because we, we couldn't uh, row that well there. So, yeah, we didn't cope with uh, the water very well and that was just also a lesson because, hey, you know, it doesn't matter how shitty the water is, there's going to be a winner and better be you. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, because we were happy to win the bronze medal, but we could have done a little bit better and uh, maybe win the silver. But hey, yeah, you know, it's not, it's 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 still, um, yeah, still a good result. I mean, yeah. Well, maybe you can uh, do two better at the the 2021 uh, Tokyo Olympics. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you mean the water there? Yeah, the water. Oh, the water is still gonna be very tricky, but uh, <laughs> let's see. We'll see how we go. Have you yeah. uh, have you been yeah, you to went Tokyo? Really well in that water, man. There, you were yeah. like amazingly good. We we didn't do that. We coped quite well in the in the rough water, but we didn't. We weren't that fast in the rough water. I think we just kind of let the boat go a bit, and we 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 just went a bit slow, but not expending too much energy. So for us in in our final, the water got quite good in the in the second half of the race. And then we were still really fresh from the, the tricky first half. So we managed to to put oh, in yeah. a big, big power in the second half of the of the race when the water got better. But I think it was just because we were very loose and, and light in the in the rough water earlier on. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you looked really well man. I remember that very well. Yeah, and you know what? The day after our race, like on the Monday, I went to the lake, and the weather was perfect. Like it was glass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I felt. It's, oh man. It's, it's funny how um, these things turn out. But I just remember looking at this the smaller boats racing in Rio, and I was like, "Fuck! Thank God I'm I'm racing in a four, and I'm not racing in a skull or a pair." Like well, Lawrence, the, I saw it was difficult, but shit. When we speak about it with the, when we speak about this often on the on the Rosha episodes, and like I remember warming up because our heat, the heat was the worst r- water I've ever rode on in my life, and we were warming up for the heat, <laughs> and Sean, uh, this, my stroke man, was saying, "No, they they're gonna cancel this this racing. There's no way we can race in this water." And then I'm like, Sean, the women's single skull is busy racing right now we just look across and there's you can't even see the boats you just see people <laughs> no, bouncing okay. in the water and we were like the racing <laughs> is going to happen and we couldn't we could not believe that uh, that they were going to race in that uh, those conditions because honestly it was <laughs> it was the hardest thing ever to to it put those uh, those races together it was crazy you remember that the serbians they they uh they, yeah, they, they tipped they in the. the I think yeah, that was yeah. in our race or the race after us. Uh, I think it was in the race after yeah. us, and there were silver medalists from the from the year before as well. So yeah, just, yeah, they were really good. So for them to <laughs> flip over, it was yeah, it was crazy. But you know what it is like for the Olympics? It's such a big event. They really, really don't care how the conditions are. Yes. As long as they get a winner, they're they're good with it. They yeah. don't care who wins. You know exactly. Yeah, I was I was about to say the the, the Olympics. You know, whereas in rowing, FISA FISA is the governing body of rowing, so it just has to worry about rowing. So obviously, we're going to be rowing on good courses most of the time, not all of the, all of the time, but we'll be rowing on on really good courses. But the Olympics rowing is a small part 
of this massive event that happens. And, you know, they they just need to find two cases of water that they can host us. And obviously, it's not easy to define two kilometers of water nicely and conveniently situated where you're hosting the game. So it's a lucky packet. So I think it's it's a mistake for people to think about the Olympics as, you know, just because it's the biggest event, it's got to be the most the easiest to course to row on or the most well organized or you know everything's going to be perfect it's probably going to be fucking nuts and you're going to have to you know try and adapt as well as you can because rio was crazy i mean there's some days the, the racing was postponed um so it's, it's crazy and i'm sure japan will be quite similar um yeah i think japan will be a little bit better because the organization is a bit better and also the the course I think it's going to be a bit better. The course but, is definitely uh, going to be better. It cannot be worse. It cannot be worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're true. Yeah. So it's going to be better. Yeah, everything's going to be better in 20, 2021. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. okay, so... No virus, the water's better. Yeah. Hopefully everything runs a little smoother and we're all a little bit faster. So the... Moving on from 2016 uh, to 20 to this this 2020 or 2021 Olympic cycle now, you guys obviously coming from your your good results in in Rio, you 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 stayed on the the plan of the eight and and you moved into 2017 in the eight and and had a had, had a pretty decent season returning uh, returning back uh, post Olympics. How was how was that 2017 season for you guys? Oh, it was very strange because, like after the Olympics, I took like half a year off. I didn't do anything. I was so lazy. And then, um, yeah, I started back in rowing and training. And yeah, our form was just not, not that great. And in the uh, in the World Championships, I had this big problem because uh, the day of the final, like in the morning, I had this my chest on the left side was like swollen. And really red and I had this strange strange like uh, mark going from my chest to my arm so it was oh. yeah it, it looked pretty bad so I went to our doctor and he said okay this is not good we have to go to the hospital so this was in the morning of the final so the morning of the final I had to go to the hospital and uh, I, I went to this emergency thing and so I had this, uh, this inflammation of my lymphatic system and that can be quite dangerous, they told me, because you can get some uh, uh, some some poisoning from it and, and just get really really ill. So that was very strange. I got that like really strange. Out of the, out of nothing, I got this reaction in my uh, lymphatic system, and yeah, my my chest was swollen, my arm was swollen. So I went there and uh, yeah, I talked with the doctors there and with our team doctor, and so I got some uh, antibiotics. And but they said, yeah, if you, uh, yeah, it's, it, yeah, if if your race is only five and a half minutes, then <laughs> you can do it. They said. So then was okay. Fuck it. Let's just race. But I was on all this medication, and uh, yeah, my, my I was just I didn't feel right. And my team, they were they were warming up with 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 another guy for the race, really with a spare. And then I came in and just I don't know. We we. We were a bit uh, flabbergasted about the whole situation. It was everybody was afraid that I couldn't race and that I could race, and then 
I had this thing on my arm and I was a bit scared of it. You know, it was it was just a strange, uh, strange race for us. So, uh, yeah, I think we could have gotten a medal there. But yeah, because of this thing, it was it, it, yeah, it didn't feel that right. And um, the next year, in 2018, because I've, I thought it was really strange. How do I get this, like, this, this disease all of a sudden? So uh, I did some uh, medical examinations, and uh, it turned out I had this uh, uh, problem in my immune system. And um, at the same time, I, got, I had this, like, strange feeling in my fingers. It was like... I could move them, but it was it was just a little, a little difficult to move them. You know, uh, I could move them normal, like I didn't have any problems moving them. But just, it just felt like I had to push harder to move them in my fingers. So that was quite strange. But I didn't took notice of that. And then the results came of that medical examination. I had this, like this immune deficiency, and uh, <coughs> because of this deficiency, I'm also more prone to things like uh, arthritis and stuff like that and, and, and um, on the uh, inflammation of joints and, st- and, and and things and then I got scared because I thought hey shit my father he also has arthritis in his fingers and he, could, he can he can barely like hold things in his hands it's very bad and I thought oh shit man I, I, I'm starting to get this as well and maybe because of rowing this process of arthritis is, is getting faster and um, so yeah I I thought okay I, I, I cannot continue rowing in this way you know because I have a lot of life to live and I've if I'm already getting arthritis of this rowing in, in combination with this immune deficiency then uh, it's better for me to stop rowing so I quit rowing during the 2018 season after the first World Cup and yeah, I just thought, okay, this is the end of my career. I'm done now. And then a couple of months later, uh, I met somebody that I know through rowing, and he is also uh, a doctor. And 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 he said, yeah, well, you can always do a second opinion, and uh, yeah, maybe maybe we find something different, you know. So I did a second opinion in that hospital with him, and they found the same stuff, but they had like a more how do you say it? It's uh, nuanced. Uh, look at it. And um, the feeling in my fingers got a lot better also. So I thought, okay, maybe it's not arthritis. Maybe it's just something else or something. Maybe it's just sore from rolling my fingers. Um, mm-hmm. And then he said, yeah, you know, you have this immune deficiency, but still you you feel healthy. And I he gave me this vaccine. And uh, he said... Yeah, you can also wait at home and see what happens. So you can also just go rowing and see what happens. You know what I mean? You've been rowing for all this time. And yeah, I, I just, the, the, the doc, that doctor said, I don't see any reason for you to quit rowing right now. So then I started back uh, going at it again. And then, um, yeah, we just made this eight uh, in the fall of 2018. Uh, I, I, I just joined selection again. I started training again. And in, in I made the eight again, and and uh, so then in the 2019 season we had this really nice eight, and we got this sponsorship with Red Bull, and it all turned out really well for us. And uh, yeah, we got second at the World Championships, just half a second behind the the Germans. So yeah, it was uh, yeah they that was a that was a big season um, 2019. Um, 
And it definitely, like looking from the outside in, it, it definitely seemed like it was there was something special or something different that had happened since 2018 to 2019. And I, I've looked at the the results, the crew, and it seems like the, the eights changed quite a bit in 2017, 2018, and, and 2019. And it seems like you guys have got like a good mix of some of the, the older experienced athletes that have done really well and, and carry carry through this this legacy of years of racing and, and success and you've got a good mix of some big power in the, in with some young guns and it's it seems like uh 2019 was you there were almost like a couple puzzle pieces that suddenly came together and you guys are found something special uh yes that's exactly what it was we um we had this really nice uh crew in the beginning of the season it it, 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 it was like some of the best rowing we have ever done in the eight uh, technically, it, it, we just we have this um, perception of rowing, and it just came together so beautiful. Um, every session we did was felt great. Like I do not lie. Like normally when you row, it's like one in every three sessions is really shitty. Uh, you know, you, you you obviously know that as well. And then yeah. but you go on from there. You know, you do you, you do one step back, two step forward, one step back to the. <laughs> But this was just only steps forward, only steps forward uh, in the technical side. And then we did this race in Lucerne and we were like sure we were going to win. In the heat, we went, we, we won uh, we won our heat with like almost a length in front of the Britons. So we thought we're going to win this for sure. I had no doubt in my mind that we wouldn't win it. And then we raced and we came third in the final. So then we were like, oh... How is this possible? You know, we were rowing so well uh, and we didn't win. So um, that was reason for our coach to look at some other guys because we had two guys uh, studying in the United States. And these are young guys and experienced in the rowing in the eight because they have won the junior worlds and the under 23 worlds in the eight. And they are just like physically insanely good. So... Yeah, our coach decided to give them a chance in our boat. So, and in the end, they, 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 um, yeah, they, they made our team. They made the eight. So we, two guys left the eight for the four, and those two guys, those young guys, came in. And we had to, we had some adaptive problems because their own style was a bit different from ours. Uh, so it took a while for us to, you know, to to get together, and. Yeah, technically and rhythmically, it felt not the same as before. But yeah, we had a lot more power in the boat, so we still went quite fast. And then at the Worlds, uh, yeah, in the final, it just came together. We just rode well, and and also with the power of these young guys, and then we went really fast. Yeah, when we were looking at what happened at World Champs, it seemed obviously you guys had a, f- a phenomenal final. Um, uh, coming second, but what's interesting about World Champs is in the heats, you guys seem like you didn't have the best heat. You came third in your heat, which means you had to go to the rep charge. Yeah. Um, but you actually made a crew change, so you had um, you had Bjorn van der Ende that was in the seventh seat, and he went went to the bow, and then uh, Michael Vaslu came into the seventh seat. And I yeah. must say, I, I, I'm not the kind of person that kind of thinks that, you know, a, a sea change like that would make such a big difference. But it really seemed like you guys just made that swap. And then all, all of a sudden, that was like you unlocked the you unlocked the door to speed or something. Um, 
yeah, it's uh, nice that you noticed that. Like, what happened was uh, in our heat, we had like um, not the best start, not the best finish, best finish, but we did have like the highest bow speed in the middle of the race. So, I found that very interesting. That for some reason, we lacked speed in the start. And um, the guy in 70 Jerf on the end, he is uh, rhythmically, he's, he's, he's a very good rower. Uh, technically and rhythmically, he's very good, but he's not the strongest guy. He's a former lightweight. Yeah. And um, uh, we know that uh, from data, we know that um, for some people, rowing in the bow seat, it's. Uh, uh, more difficult to to uh, row uh, efficiently enough to use all their power that they have effectively. Yeah. So, but we know that Bjorn van der Ende, he is able to row in the bow seat and still produce the same amount of power as he does in the seven seat. It was actually my idea to, after the the heat, okay, we miss some. We need. We just miss some power. We we're rowing fine. It's going well. We just miss some power. So why not change the guy in bow, who is a strong guy, put him on seven, and try out the burn from the end on the bow? Because I think we just might win some wattages there, you know, uh, some some power there. And if we rhythmically can keep it the same, then we we go faster. Uh, <laughs> and of course, this is yeah not something that you planning for, uh, but on the other side, like after the heat. Yeah, we felt that we rode really not that bad. We rode quite well, but we just didn't went we just didn't went fast enough. So, yeah, we said, okay, what we're gonna do is this. Uh, so we talked with the guys and with the team, with the, the coach, and we just said, okay, you know what? We have this rapid charge. Let's do it in the rapid charge. If it goes well, we can do it in the final. And uh, yeah, we did that, and we had like this really really good rapid charge and it just just all came together i mean we kept our rhythmically good rowing uh it was a bit a bit too high in the rating a bit too high but still it was quite good and uh yeah we just went really fast we went like 238 on the thousand meter line the first thousand meter and that that's that's really for an eight yeah um, that's going some yes yeah, so so we were happy, and then we just continued it to the final. And it's just some stuff like this, you know. We have a team that is, um, yeah, it is the coach makes the decisions, but uh, everything is done with with the athletes as well. You know, the athletes have a very big responsibility in our team. So whenever yeah. we we can decide things, also, you know what I mean. We have like, yeah, um, yeah we of have course. control of our own process. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it sounds like the environment that that, that the team has created is uh, is really really good and 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 really constructive to to making fast boats. The the thing I want to talk about there though is because I mean it looks like you have only ever rowed in the stroke seat in your entire rowing career, so you wouldn't uh, know what it feels like though. But I have raced in the in the bow seat of the eight uh, once before and it is a completely weird feeling because the boat moves up and down quite a lot in the in the bow seat and it's it's really really tricky um i didn't enjoy it at all so i understand exactly the way you're explaining the the switch because i feel like i'm someone i can put down the power but 
when the when the boat is moving around so much in the back, it's uh, it's really really difficult to to put the power down. Um, yeah, so I really like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's that was that was the main uh, the main reason for us. And uh, yeah, I, I I was just happy that everybody was really relaxed about it and comfortable about it and. Because it's a stressful situation, you know, the finals or the rapid charge of the World Championship. Mm, you have to qualify the, the, for, the, for the Olympics. So you have to be good. And most of the times, changing at the last minute is a bad thing. I totally agree with you, Jackie. And, but but for us now, it just felt fun. Okay, um, yeah, we're wrong well. We don't go fast enough. We have to change something. Let's try it. And we then... Did. Turned out... Great. And then yeah. the, the, before we get more into into the final, uh, tell us a little bit about the the Red Bull sponsorship that you guys have. Because um, firstly, like uh, I think it's, it sounds really cool, but also your boat is 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 really awesome. I mean, it's the, the nicest looking boat uh, on the racks almost, and and your all the content and the videos that you guys put out has been really really good uh, over the last year or two and and really awesome to to see it's a very cool page uh, to follow on instagram so talk us uh, tell us a little bit more about that um that relationship and 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 trying to establish the eight as like a its own identity yeah so um we were actually contacted by red bull in the fall of 2018 uh, and they wanted to do an eight. And they think rowing is really cool. Their first Olympic medal uh, sponsored athlete was a rower, was Sino Muller. He won the single in 1996. So they had, they had this passion about rowing, and the, they came to us because they thought the eight was, yeah, like the yeah the, the coolest boat for them to uh, to sponsor. You know, because it's the biggest, it's the fastest. You know, it, it's quite an exciting boat class for them. And uh, what they what they're doing is just they try to make really good crews a little bit better. So we were really interesting for them because we won a bronze uh, medal at Rio. And they just thought, okay, let's try uh, to give these guys some wings and uh, make them win gold. That's 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 their philosophy. And uh, they've been really helpful to us. They you know, they put a lot of money on the table, but also they help us with, with innovation. They help us with uh, social media. And they help us becoming uh, a more professional team you know uh, because they have this really big network of all these these athletes and teams that they sponsor so they they really know a lot about sports and uh, yeah we are now able to enjoy uh, the, the fruits of the, of, of the uh, of their network in sports and it really turns out yeah really well I mean uh, one of the things that they are also uh, doing is like what you said. They're trying to make a brand out of our team. They make our team is called Holland Eight. It means Holland Eight. Uh, and yeah, they're just trying to brand it out. You know, they they made this logo for us. They made this web page for us. Uh, they're shooting all kinds of cool content. You know, there's all these camera crews uh, that coming to us and. Um, yeah, they, they really give us the feeling that we are uh, a really professional uh, team and uh, yeah, it lifts up our spirits also to be part of this uh, this company. That's very cool. That's really yeah, awesome to, to hear that kind of energy getting put into rowing. I think uh, we're in such desperate need of, of that sort of stuff across our whole sport. So it's really, really cool to hear that uh, that those kind yeah. of things do, are happening around, around the, the globe. And how much Red Bull do you drink? Oh, Red Bull, how much? 
Yeah, like when it's on a normal day, I think like a one box. One box. One box. <laughs> but, but on a yeah, on a hot day, maybe two. You know. <laughs> oh my god. Nice. Yeah. No wonder why you guys are. No, no, no wonder we, why you're uh, going so fast. We drink it sometimes. We drink it sometimes in training, because when we do really, really long, uh, long hours of training, then uh, then it can be really nice. You know, if you're like depleted of all energy just drinking a cold red bull is, is really nice but uh yeah so we don't drink that much because it's not very healthy of course uh, uh nobody claims it to be healthy the red bull also doesn't claim it to be healthy but it is a drink that can help you if you have an uh, active lifestyle you know uh, of course. so yeah that's the way we approach it um what i was what, what what i was going to say about um world rowing is that i think it's uh, the visa, the world rowing, makes it really difficult for big companies to sponsor uh, rowing crews because yeah. uh, there are so many restrictions from visa yeah, on, on branding. Like, you don't know how much, how difficult it was for us to get this boat done in the way that we have. So we have this. If people don't know. We have this uh, boat is completely blue, and it has like this 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 uh, golden uh, uh, front and end. You know, and, and uh, normally there's a really big red uh, bull from Red Bull on her bow, and it just looks really cool. Uh, but it's very, there are so many restrictions from the visa that it's, yeah, you know, why why would you put all these restrictions on? If, if companies want to sponsor rowing crews, it's only going to make the sport better and more professional, you know. And, and um, uh, it's, not, it's not a sport that where people earn a lot of money. You know, everybody's yeah. in for the passion for the sport itself. So, yeah, I don't understand why they are so restrictive about it. I think it's fine if, if people have some branding on their boats. Who cares? Uh, now everybody rows in a yellow boat or a white boat. And the yellow boat is Empaker, the white boat is Filippi. It's already uh, in that way. It's already all the boats are already branded, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I uh, must say I'm, I'm with yeah, you 100%. You, white boat, you, you immediately think about Filippi. Yeah. So, it's I think just 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 remove all these regulations. Let people put some company names on the boat, and now you only are, are allowed to have like these really small stickers. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't care, man. Maybe maybe you guys are going to be sponsored by I don't know Monster or something, and and have a, have a green and yellow boat, <laughs> and uh, yeah, with this big M on it. It's, I, I think, think it's going to be beautiful. But it's really, yeah, yeah. it's really. I'm so with you. It's 100. percent It's so ridiculous that uh, the branding is so restricted. And as you say, there's not a lot of money, and they're just trying to control the their branding. But by opening it up and making it more accessible for for more sponsors, they make the whole value of rowing go up. So I really, I don't understand exactly. why they don't uh, make some changes on the on that sort of on that side of things. So. <laughs> I feel like so. I mean, I, 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 let's go back to the rowing and back to uh, to the 2019 race. And like you were saying, you you're having this great season and the boat was feeling good, but you still were were not winning. And it it definitely felt like a theme of of 2019 was the standard getting lifted. And I mean, the the Linz World Champs in 2019 is probably across the board one of the best regattas ever. Uh, from a racing point of view and how close some of the racing was and how exciting the racing was throughout the the regatta and i mean I you agree. guys had such a great uh final 
uh, talk us through that that final and and how the boat felt and and what it was like coming down the track in in such a tight race yeah so i think to start we were all in the in the we were in lane one i think like the side of the course so all our all the other crews were on our right if you're in the middle it's better because you have this better overview if if you are on one side of the course you look all the way to the other side you see all these boats it's very difficult to see where you are for me personally yeah so i just thought Okay, I, I didn't I didn't focus too much on the other crews. I just thought, okay, I just focus on myself. Does I don't, I don't care where I'm at. We'll see we we'll see how it goes. And um, yeah, we had to start. I think we have to still work on our start. We lost, we lose a bit of speed there compared to the other crews. But from the 500 meters onwards, yeah, we just have so much endurance and uh, such a, such a good rhythm that our boat speed is just really high. Like our our. Uh, our pacing is really high and yeah so we just slowly but surely went out of the field and next to the Germans and we just kept there yeah and I remember at 1000 meters I was totally dead but I don't know I just yeah just <laughs> just go for it and the last 500 meters uh, the last couple hundred meters where I was a little bit too too tired to really make a good sprint uh, I think that's the reason we didn't win so that's something to work on. But you know, these Germans that we're racing, they are so good. They can they what they have this ability to instantaneously change their boat speeds. So they it's it's very difficult to catch uh, them because they can have this little short burst of speed during their already uh, high speed. And yeah, but we 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 we, we had I think uh, my my job is to put down a good rhythm. I never try to focus on making hard strokes. I think if you try to use power, uh, that's not what what's wrong is all about. I think uh, there are a lot of crews who try to use power to go fast. That's not my philosophy. I think you should row without power, try not to use power, and then just go with fluidity and go with 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 flow. In the end, you will see how much power you're actually using <laughs> if you're not thinking about using power, because you get really yeah. tired of it as well. But so I just try to think about. Yeah, it has to feel really, really fluid and subtle and uh, just keeping a high rhythm. Because of our crew change, we had a bit, we were rating a little bit too high, I think. So that can be improved. But still, um, yeah, the boat felt really good and responsive. And everybody in our crew was so determined to to have a good, to have a good race. And uh, yeah, we were really excited about the results. Definitely, definitely sounds like we we're speaking to the the stroke of a of a of a men's eight because, you know, from from the rhythm point of view, I mean, when we talk about rhythm, we're talking about an an abstract concept. So, you know, a lot of the time you want to set up a you know a fast boat. It's really important to 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 focus about you know the feeling, the run of the the bring it up at speed, and when you're racing, just the feeling of it that it comes together. I mean, that's that's what makes the boat. That's what makes the the boat fast. Um, yeah, it's and yeah, like power. Power helps too. <laughs> yeah, of course you're using power. That that's you cannot row without power, of course. But a lot of yeah, people yeah, they yeah. try to go faster and they focus on, on making harder strokes, like like more powerful strokes. And especially in the eight, that's completely the wrong way of doing it. That's the, that's the stupid way of doing it. Because although you will increase some some speed for a little while, you will get drenched. 
uh, and doing it without power, like try to race without power, it just gives you wings. You just fly and fly and fly and fly, and you still be exhausted at the finish. It's you're still gonna yeah. be really really tired. It's just the mentality, you know. It's like like playing if you're playing golf and you wanna you wanna shoot the ball as fast as you can or as far as you can. You're not focusing on power. You're just focusing on swing, you know. Uh, the same is for any sport. I think there's not one sport in, in, in where you should use power, even weightlifting. It's more about uh, thinking about the, the good movement instead of thinking about using a lot of power. Um, because if you want to use power, you just cramp up. You know, you 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 get tight and you get you're not loose and long and, and fluid. Yeah, really. So, I really like it. It sounds like you've been uh, talking or or listening to Jugin a little bit, uh, a little bit there, and and I think that's and then what he also speaks about is how like the, that's why he always watches lightweight rowing because they don't have the power. They can't just revert to to these hard strokes. They have to find that feeling that you're speaking about uh, to go very fast. And I think that uh, it's so crucial for heavyweights to to think like that because we have all this power at our disposal doesn't mean that we can just go and reach in and grab it all because as you say we just get tight get short uh get in the shoulders and we row badly instead of moving with the boat quicker and faster yeah exactly it's it's uh, but it's not only in rowing it's in any sport yeah like, even in boxing even in in combat sports uh it's yeah it's, don't try to use power also so for all the toughest rowers out there in South Africa, if you want to go faster, try to go as fast as you can without using power, and you will be amazed about the results. Yeah, yeah I think course. that's that's such a crucial aspect, and that was what I was going to ask: is uh, for you to say something to to all the schoolboys and girls out there, and uh, and learning how to row, and especially you coming from the the stroke seat of an eight, uh, that is is such a tricky boat to get right, and and such a difficult seat. Uh, it was, it's nice to to hear those those kind of uh, technical aspects uh, from you and it's not only for for South African uh, rows we have a basically the the people that listen to the row show is from every single country in the in the world almost that has rowing uh, we get people listen to us from from all over the place and it's always cool to to hear feedback from them um, so I think yeah. Jakey is there anything else you want to add on and then maybe we can move to the quick fire questions yeah, I think uh, I think we've we've covered quite a quite a huge chunk there um, on 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 the rowing side, but I think it does bring us to our staple of our interviews. So, Roberts, in in every in every episode of the row show, we we ask each guest the same set of of of, of questions, and these are called the quickfire questions. And uh, we'll just run through them now, and they always give us some really interesting answers. So, yeah, Lawrence, why don't you take us away? So uh, the first question is, if you could race any boat class at the Olympic Games, um, which boat class would you choose? Uh, of course, the eight. <laughs> I think it's you. most. Yeah, it's the it's the most spectacular. I think it's. You it's, wouldn't it's, so you wouldn't want to dabble in maybe a, a sculling a sculling boat or or the pair or something like that. Uh, winning a medal in any event is incredible. Uh, so, you know, winning gold in any event is going to be amazing. That being said, my preference has the eight because I think the eight yeah. is like the most exciting 
boat class there is you know it's the fastest it's the biggest uh a lot of a lot of top uh, rowing countries they have their best people in the eight and yeah i, I just enjoy it so much yeah it is it is very much the the blue ribbon event of of um, the rowing world so the next question is if you could choose any three people to put in a in a coxless four with you, which which four uh, which three people would you choose? And they can be from from any from any any period of time and from anywhere around the world. Matthew Pinsent, um, Istok Chop, and Drew Ginn. Yeah, that's that's a really really good combination. I think those are all <laughs> legends of legends of the sport in their own right, and I doubt you'd be, you'd be pretty quick there. Yeah, I think yeah. Matthew Pinsent. Uh, he, he, I'm gonna put him on stroke, and then I'll go in the back of the boat, just relaxing, because that guy, I don't know what he has, but he just had to has this 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 clutch gene, you know, this this winning gene. It doesn't yeah. matter who he races, he always wins by an inch. And that's just so exciting. So I choose yeah, him over, over anyone. That's no, a good choice. His top top is also, uh, he's, he's such an incredible rower. He raced in many, many different boat classes and events. And he's actually, when we speak to a lot of the, some of the older guys like Drew Ginn, his name comes up a lot, and we also spoke to Olaf Tufter. So Estok Chop is someone we also probably need to get on the show too. Yeah, this guy is so amazing, man. He he's he's not the biggest guy, but he he raced in all these boats and he's so fast in everyone in every one of them. And he should have won the gold medal in the London Olympics. He was robbed, I think, there, really robbed, because he and uh, and and uh, and Lucas Peake were the, by far the fastest double. But yeah, because of his uh, windy conditions, they were in a in a bad lane and they couldn't win. And the race after them. They changed all the lineups, you know. So if they were, if they would have changed the lineups for for the double as well, then he would have for sure win a gold medal in London. And I just wish it, had, it 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 would have been like that because that guy just deserves the best possible uh, farewell of rowing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What a legend! Is definitely someone that's uh, on our list to to chat to. Um, so that's a really cool four, I must say. I would like to to see that uh, come down the track. It would be it would be pretty cool. But the next question is, what is your favorite rowing race of all time that you find yourself watching again and again? Uh, it doesn't have to be one of your races. It can be any rowing race. So that's that's difficult because there's so many. Um, yeah, though, I think. When I started rowing, it was in 2004, and, and that was just after the Olympics in Athens. So I watched that that tournament a lot. I really like the eights there. I really like the, the American eight. But I have to say, then I, I go for the fours race with Vincent against the Canadians in the four. Oh, uh, that's, a, that's a really good race. Oh, yeah, so good. because he it's so close and then in the end he's behind and then on the finish line somehow he pushes his boat just one or a couple of inches in front of the canadians and yeah it's just you cannot beat this guy you know that that's so amazing about him that makes his, him such a legend doesn't yeah, matter we've... what happens in the end of the day he's going to win and that's so cool 
Yeah, we actually we've spoken to Jake Vettel, and he he was he he was in the the Canadian four, and he that just listening to him, obviously from the other side of the of the finish line, but listening to him talk about that race, it was it was incredible. Um, and it's actually quite funny because I think Jake Vetzel said that the the rowing race he enjoys watching was the 1996 um, Olymp- Olympic eight final where the where the Dutch eight won. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a really legendary crew. Uh, they they yeah they were for that for that time they were like amazing. They were better than all the others. So and they they had a row, certain rowing style that was quite influential. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, um, and so the, going on to our next question, I mean, um, we have kind of touched on this territory already, but if you were suddenly put in charge of world rowing, uh, what would you change about the sports and about how everything operates and, and why? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, uh, a big, big one. <laughs> First of all, I would just drop all the regulations on, uh, or a lot of regulations on uh, sponsorships. And on branding on boats and and, and on uh, on jerseys and stuff like that, so that was that was one thing I would do. Uh, but I would change a lot. Like I would change. For me, rowing, I think it's two thousand meters. I think it's yeah. I don't know. I would make the distance shorter. I would make it more spectacular. So if you if you decrease the distance of rowing of the rowing course, it's going to be more spectacular. And also you can row on more places in the world. You know, 2,000 meters straight is quite difficult to find, but let's say 1,000 meters or 750 meters, you can almost row everywhere in the world. Yeah, so, even so 250 meters. 250 meters, that's a little bit too short, I think, but maybe some, some somewhere between 500 and 1,000 and, and meters, maybe 1,000 meters to start off with. I would do that, and I would also drop uh, a lot of boat classes, actually. I would, I would just say... The men's the the single and the and the eight. Yeah. Only two only two boat classes and just uh, I would also race like uh, maybe uh, one versus one. So not six crews in one uh, one course, not six crews in one final, but just only head to head races. You know, like in the Henley. I would yeah. do it like Henley style, thousand meters. Uh, everybody in uh, only the eight and the and the single. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, and but I you also racing a shorter distance. You can make uh, more. You people can race more then. Uh, if you're only racing 750 meters, you don't only have to stick to one boat class. You could race. Uh, you know, you could double up and and race a little bit more. That's um, true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe maybe put some other class in it then. Maybe the four or the pair. Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Just. Do more races, more exciting races also, because the shorter the distance, the closer the race is going to be. Yes. Um, and less boat and classes also, puts more people it, puts more people in each boat class as well, so it'll make it even tighter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I also think that the 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 one versus one is going to be really exciting also, because also you can you can put come with cameras much closer, you know, because now if you look at a race on television, it's so far away everything. Uh, if it's only one against one versus one, then yeah, you just you you can you the camera can be really in your face, and you can you get more excitement out of it. I think. Yeah, sport is definitely a, a lot of value it can it can give to the spectators, and I think what what you've been talking about is actually a, a huge it's a huge theme and it's a huge subject 
that uh, basically most of our guests have spoken about. They've spoken about either shortening the distance and everyone is sometimes i mean i think we've had one person that says they want it to be like much longer but shortening the distance <laughs> much then, longer <laughs> yeah can't you, who said lawrence who was the person i can't, I can't remember longer. it must be a lightweight it must be a lightweight <laughs> <laughs> it must have been a lightweight I who think, wants more endurance <laughs> so, i don't know i think someone maybe i'm lying actually but someone's i'm sure someone along the line said they wanted longer i know olaf wanted contact sport in the rowing boat and that sounds fantastic expensive though <laughs> contact sport oh did you have to bump crash each other? yeah yeah <laughs> so um, yeah, that's a bit crazy i guess so i liked uh, i liked your suggestions so next time uh fisa president's up for grabs we can uh, we can put you put your name in the hat yeah, robert you robert in, for you president in the seat. yeah hey. that's good man i i, I thank you for the support <laughs> i really uh, appreciate it no but think yeah. about it man if you if the distance is shorter you also don't have to train all these miles man you can just have you know this the, the thing about rowing is you have to train so much uh, there is a part yeah. of me that likes the the distance. It's like the it's because it's so hard and it's so difficult. Uh, not everyone can do it, and if you make it shorter, you do take a little bit away from that. Um, but I just think that our sport is so in such desperate need of some excitement and uh, and some change that I think our, you people would embrace it and they would come around to yeah, it. Eventually. You can have you can have both. I don't I don't think you can you need to limit yourself to to one event yeah. i mean so many sports around the world obviously you they're vastly different modalities but if you look at swimming if you look at athletics they're different distances and rowing uh, there's definitely a solution where you can have the gladiator event of the 2k because i agree with lawrence the 2000 meter race is is it's the gladiator event you know it's where men are made but it doesn't mean that you can't have a super exciting spectator 500 meter big rate i mean big power small margins but I think there's it's definitely a room for innovation in our sport. Yeah, but if you like, if you go out, if you go flat out for a thousand meters, it's also quite that's harsh, man. That hurts. <laughs> it hurts <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it hurts a lot. So, so I don't know, man. And also, like we we have been here at the Olympics from the beginning. So for for almost 130 years, we have been doing the gladiator events, man. <laughs> man, let some other people, let some other athletes die every time. <laughs> let yeah. us enjoy our, our race, man. Now, now it's our time to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> talking about the the gladiator event in the two thousand meters, the the next question is: What is your two k PB for the the two k? Oh, for the on the erg. Uh, on the erg is five fifty two. Yeah, nice. we don't use the concept two anymore. We use the rope perfect now. So do you not yeah. do any anything on the the concert two anymore? Is it all row perfect? Nothing. Okay. All row perfect. Yeah, we do nothing anymore. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So, what was the the reasoning the reason behind the switch? Uh, because the row perfect just feels more like rowing, and yeah. the only the only reason we we kept doing the concept two is because it's just like the standard. So we yeah. could compare all the all the earth testing with previous results. But yeah, we all felt that the row perfect is 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 a, is a, is a better uh, reflection of uh, of your rowing uh, 
ability. So yeah, all, we we just made this decision. For, okay, from now on, we're just gonna do everything on the road perfect because we have to make this change. And we did that yeah. like two, two years ago. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, That's very we, interesting. Yeah, yeah, so we do everything on that. It just goes much faster. Personally, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the road perfect. There's something about it. <laughs> I I'm not a big fan. I'm not the biggest fan of, of the road perfect. As I. But maybe you know I haven't I haven't spent that much time. But the time I have spent is, is hasn't hasn't uh, done me good 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 value. The last question that we have is, if you could choose a different sport to go to the Olympics, in what would it be? I think wrestling. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I really like wrestling, man. I uh, I I really enjoy to watch combat sports, and I think that's yeah, it's it's so cool that you're one one versus one. You know, like. Uh, yeah, you cannot uh, hide the, behind teammates. It's just you just have to do it by gates. yourself. And also, yeah, in the gates, yeah, you know, it's like gladiator events. Wrestling is actually the gladiator event, I think. Yeah. And uh, it's such an old sport. I'm really into the classics. So, yeah, I think uh, wrestling is also so good for your body because in almost all sports you train like two dimensional. You know, it's like you train the front of your of your body or the back of your body, like when you're doing squats. Or bench press, it's the front of your body. And when you're doing deadlifts and, and, and rows, it's, it's like the back of your body. But in wrestling, it's just 360 degrees. You know, you have to move and put, and, and, and put power and strength and all these crazy angles of your body. Uh, so I think, and it's also very good for your cardiac cardio. So yeah. Yeah, I think it's an amazing sport. Nice. It's definitely the first, the first time we've heard someone say wrestling is, is there, but... Yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it is like you said, it's, it is the gladiator event. It's, a, it's, it is a very cool sport. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, that wraps up our, our chat. And yeah, just uh, that was very interesting. And I think we got a, a lot of wisdom out of there. And just a huge thanks for, for all your time, Robert. Thanks for, for giving us a huge chunk of your time. Luckily, on lockdown, you no, probably really didn't have not. too much to do. Yeah, I, no, I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, thanks for the invite, guys. And I hope to see you uh, in the next regatta. Yeah, yeah. whenever that um, may be. Rob, it's been it's been awesome chatting to you, and we definitely say how's it when we see each other overseas. Yeah, man, I look forward to it. Cool, guys. So that's a wrap for today's episode uh, with uh, Robert Lucan. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. There was so much quality to take away from there, and I think if you especially if you're a varsity rower or a school rower and you, you're trying to conquer this eight and trying to get on, on grasp on, on how the eight works, I think he, he had a lot of really good uh, tips and tricks to, to think about whilst you're rowing in that eight. And yeah, I mean, what an awesome, awesome chat we had there. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I loved the, you know, he really had interesting insights into training. I really enjoyed the, the bits that he's speaking about his weights training. And, you know, Robert's obviously, he's, he's, he's a fantastic rower. He's had some really good times. He's had some downtime. So it was great to get into both the great and the not so great. It's really important for both sides because that gives you the best reflection of an athlete. And, you know, it really helps share the journey of, of someone like that. Um, so I really felt like we got a good a good sense of of the athlete and the, the journey he's been on. Yeah, so cool, guys. Uh, that's a wrap for today. Uh, once again, if you want to support us, uh, go to SoundCloud, follow the link to PayPal, and give us any support that you want. It will be 
so appreciated and really help us uh, keep the show going and, and keep it running. Uh, we've got some really cool uh, single scholars coming up in the next few weeks. And yeah, just keep your eyes and ears open because the, the next few episodes are going to be bangers. It's been, it's been a good time and uh, cheers, guys. Cool. We're out. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it's also what you're used to. Yeah, of course. Of course. Like, uh, sorry, guys, I'm taking a leak right now. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I, don't, okay. I don't know if you hear this. <laughs> we can hear it. It's very clear. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we just have one more question, but we'll, uh, we'll wait for you to, to drain the snake and then we'll uh, finish off. Yeah, man.